Gray Fox. Praise games. waiting huh hello and welcome to gray fox plays games the video games podcast for people who when they want to talk about their childhood memories of bfg they are talking about swatting the swarm of hell anyway speaking of which joining me on the podcast this week i'm gonna go through my co-host starting off with my boy the soul man michael carden edwards aka michaelness how you doing my brother the soul man oh you like your souls games right Oh, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I did not yeah, know where yeah. you were going with that, but I'll, I'll <laughs> happily be called the soul man in future. Um, uh, that's very nice. Uh, I am very good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. It's very snowy in the UK. We're kind of all locked in with snow, but that means we have more excuses to play video games, right? So it's even better. What a time to be alive. Uh, from one from one soul man to our mole man, producer Moles. How are you doing, my friend? I like that. That's good. The mole man brings back memories of school. Thanks for that. I thought I'd do a. Uh, I thought I'd put a classic, a classic T-shirt this week. Now you can see it. Final Fantasy. Final yeah, Fantasy Final Seven. Seven yeah. With the original artwork off of like, so it's not remastered. It's like the original off of that. Um, the only yeah, thing I just, have gaming related is a Fallout Four bobblehead. That is pretty f-ing dope. I really want that on my desk now. <laughs> he sits <laughs> on my desk, basically bobbing at me all day. <laughs> Nice, nice. Well, on this podcast, each and every fortnight, we talk about video games, what we love, what we hate, and all that sweet, sweet fandom in between, which leads me to my next question. What have you been playing over the last couple of weeks, fellas? Shall I go first? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Uh, so, you know, a while ago, I mentioned that I kind of wanted to try uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I can confirm I took the plunge and ended up, <laughs> ended up getting it. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a big pile of fun. It's uh, when I was in uh, college time, our friend Matthew Jackson, who obviously both of you know, we used to play a lot of Gundam Warriors. And it's kind of like the, I never pronounce it, it's the Muso? Musio? No, I, uh, I don't know how to pronounce I, that word, but it's that it's style the of game. It's the you of video games. <laughs> essentially, it's, it's the style of game where there's a gazillion en- enemies and uh, go and have fun, basically. Um, it's like Dynasty Warriors. It's kind of those ones. Um, there was obviously one before Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition that came out on the Switch, which was a remaster or a remake of the Wii U version. This one uh, is obviously very much Breath of the Wild uh, inspired. So all of the sounds, menus, enemies, designs, the, the, the art style, it's all Breath of the Wild. And um, like even down to like when you're going around the map and you see like a Korok. You know, and you'll and you do nice. haha. You know, you're gonna have yeah, really fun noise. So like that's um. So far, like, I'm like a couple of hours into it, and so far it's a charming game. You're mowing down lots and lots of enemies. Is it janky? Because it looks um, like it could be janky. My, I was worried about this as well. Um, I don't find it janky at all. Really, I'm really. I was really worried about the frame rate and how easy it is to play. I haven't. Had, I have had no issues. Um, it's not like it's not perfect. But if you go back and play Breath of the Wild on Switch, that ain't perfect either, bro. That's, that goes down to like 15 FPS occasionally. And you don't really notice it. This one, the first mission was a, maybe a little bit like, oh, but then after that, it's been, it's been, it's been fine. It's not something that's actively detracted from the game at all. And, I, and also one thing I should mention, these styles of games, there's lots of emphasis on tactics in terms of like, oh, you've got three minutes to go and go to that blockade and sort what's going on over there. And then all of a sudden there's another enemy that's come over on that side of the map. You've got to go and send some dudes over there. 
all of that like timed rubbish that doesn't mm. appear to be in this one really at all, which is great because I, I, I suck at all that stuff. I just want to go to from A to B and, and, and mow some dudes away. That's all I want to do. And this one it seems to it seems to allow me to do that in in excess. So so far I'm good. There's lots of un- unlockables. You can play as all the fun characters that you never thought you could play as. I, I give it a thumbs up so far. Nice, nice, nice. I will be taking the plunge on that. I've been hitting the switch as well, actually, over the last week or so. Moles, after doing our deep dive into the Resident Evil Showcase, which, yeah, for the record, when we said, oh, Resident Evil Showcase is coming up, me and Moles are Resident Evil guys, we'll do a little thing and stick it in the podcast. We'll be like, 10 minutes max, you know. It'll be nice and nice and punchy and straight in there. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. It was 40 minutes of absolute ginkdom within the Resident Evil world, and that put me in such a mood for Resident Evil. I went down a rabbit hole. I went on the old Switch, and yeah, I'm one of those guys. Please tell me I'm not alone with this. And uh, Michael, give me your answer to this after I've gone through this, this little semi, I don't want to call it a rant, but just the impartment of a brain dump. I keep buying the same game just again and again on different platforms, right? So I have bought Resident Evil 4 about four times. I bought it on the GameCube when it first came out. I then bought it on like the PlayStation 2 because inevitably the GameCube didn't work out for me. I ended up getting a PlayStation 2. I then bought it when they remastered it onto the current generation. I bought them a load at the same time. And then when I said that, I met on my PlayStation 4. And then I was like, you know what? You know what? Oh, you son of a... B- I'm going to buy it again. So I ended up buying Resident Evil 4 for the fourth time on the Switch. And oh my days this game still holds up it is still amazing i have sunk 13 hours into this game over a weekend and i say that as a parent and one of the things that i just are oh, this from the menu system from the gameplay from the, the the guy who the merchant and i know miles we talked about this in the showcase review when we're talking about the duke the fact we're not getting that original merchant back is a crying shame because that dude that dude's a character man i just imagine yeah, every time i hate him not enough cash, stranger. I just want more of that coming through my Switch. And Michael, you texted me over the weekend, you know, in preparation for the pod and everything else, and went, recommend me a game. I didn't respond because I was just like, it's just like, how do I get? The, how do I recommend the guy who knows everything on Switch? I come to you. But uh, I would give you a recommendation of Resident Evil 4. It's currently on sale in the Switch store. I've never, right, this is a, this is a bit of a uh, revealing moment for me. I've never played a Resident Evil game in my life other than when, I believe when you had it for the 360, maybe it was Resident Evil 5, which was kind of two-player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I may have played 20 minutes of that with you at uni. Uh, I've never played a Resident Evil game in my life. I ain't a big fan of scary games. However, if I am going to do this, like, should I do this? Yes, start with four. Because uh, we won't spend ages, we, we, we'll talk to Death about Resident Evil over the last few weeks, so we won't go any more on it. But just start with four. It's like 11 quid on the, on the store. If, for the very least, it's a history lesson in being such a forward-thinking game. Like, you know when you play games, you only realise how forward-thinking they were, like years in its rearview mirror. I'll give you an example of uh, Metal Gear, Ground Zeroes, and, um, and Phantom Pain. There are so many mechanisms in that game that were only just really becoming sort of staples in video games now, right? Like if you played the latest Assassin's Creed game, there's loads of stuff it borrowed from that. Like this, it's always going forward from that. You will be playing Resident Evil 4 and you'll be like, oh my God, this is the kernels of a lot of modern gameplay styles. But it holds up very well on your Switch because it looks gorgeous. Does, well, one of the things I'm always worried about is, uh, you know, a game from yesteryear, how does it yeah. handle it handled uh, a couple of things one is that the camera it's got a free it's got a rotating camera but it ain't great you might don't bother using the camera just let the camera go if the game tells you to go 
And secondly, it takes a minute to get used to the like the shooting mechanism because it's a it's a over the shoulder thing, and it's kind of like not that buttery smooth that you're kind of used to with modern games. But after about a couple of hours into it, and I know it sounds weird to say a couple of hours into it, but hey, we say that about TV shows. When you get to like the fourth or fifth hour, it becomes pretty good. This is a little bit quicker than that. And you'll just find the rhythm, you'll start enjoying it, and the way you 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 upgrade your weapons and stuff, like it still holds up. It is still very, very good. Um and for that reason, like just go for it, man. But is there any am I am I alone in this? Is there games that you have purchased on multiple platforms several times with no shame? I have purchased the Elder Scrolls Skyrim on the um, on the Xbox 360, on the PlayStation uh, 4, on the PC, and on the Switch. Um, yeah, so I think I bought that four times as well. That game, I'll I'll still be buying that game, Infinity and Beyond. Basically, the next thing that comes out, I'll buy. They'll release the Elder Scrolls Skyrim on that again, and I'll of course buy it. I actually started the other thing I was playing a little bit this weekend. I did literally start another game on Skyrim on Saturday <laughs> because that game, like, it's kind of weird. My dad got a Switch uh, about a year ago. Um, he's got like one game for it. Do you know what game he's got for it? Skyrim. It Skyrim? He's never played yeah. Skyrim before, and he was like, oh, "I'm looking for something to get on it." And I was like, "Well, obviously, Breath of the Wild." He borrowed um, my nephew's version of Breath of the Wild. My nephew fucking hated that game; didn't like it at all. And he was like, "What are you on about, brother?" My dad played it, and he was like, "Nah, you know, don't really like this very much." Um, and then I was like, "Look, play Skyrim." You, you remember watching me play Skyrim when I was a kid? You know what I mean? And um, <laughs> Yeah, literally, like, now my dad is the master of Skyrim. Like he's We're going to all be, like, really old people when, when the actual inevitable next uh, Scrolls game comes out. We'll be like that old lady in Titanic. It's been 86 years and I've played seven versions of Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it's been a weird week in video games over the last couple of weeks. We'll get to news in a second. But let's talk about the GameSpot uh, stop thing for a minute. I mean, I've got to be honest, I only understand stocks and shares if marco robbie's in a bath explaining it to me did anyone else actually get what the hell has happened other than it looks like reddit basically managed to get one over the money men that's the only way i can the only interpretation i've got from this uh, that's, that's all you need to know that's kind of all i got as well basically yeah. it's it's a case of you know the money men can do whatever they want and get away with anything until the tables get turned on them and now they're furious about it that's kind of all i've got from it I don't really understand it, if I'm honest with you. And I think it requires a level of understanding of that. I, I mean, I've, I've read a few like, you know, easy to read versions, kind of two TLDR versions. And I just kind of went, cool, I guess. I, I don't know. Well, there you go. Margot, if you are listening, get in that bath and explain to us what the hell happened at GameStop. But anyway, it sounded really great. So long it may continue. Let's crack on with some news and let's talk about a delay that was announced recently actually and we've got a statement we'll read through in a moment but prince of persia uh, the remake of sands of time has been delayed indefinitely uh, this announcement came out a couple of days ago and i will go through that press announcement right now so basically what they said was since announcing prince of persia sands of time remake in september we saw an outpouring of feedback from you of this beloved franchise it's your passion and support that's driving our development teams to make the best game possible. With that said, we have made the decision to shift the release date uh, to a later date. This extra development time will enable our teams to deliver a remake that feels fresh while remaining faithful to the original. We understand the update might come as a surprise and we'll continue to keep you posted on the process of Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake. In the meantime, we want to thank you for all your ongoing support. 
Gents, what do we think about this? I say, basically don't want to do a cyberpunk, do they? That's, that's my takeaway from that. I mean, that's the key, isn't it? I mean, and to be honest, I think we've got to the point where, I mean, I, I didn't I read a quote out the other day where like a, uh, a, 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 it was a quote from the guy that basically invented Mario about like, you know, a broken game can never be fixed or what, what have you, something like that. And um, it's exactly right. The same kind of rule applies where, you know, I would rather they did this because shipping games in unreleased buggy states or unfinished buggy states these days are kind of the curse of video games. And they really do leave a lasting impression because in the age of where we are with instant gratification, you only get one chance to make a first impression, despite being able to then kind of patch games you know, repeatedly over the course of the next couple of years, a la No Man's Sky, you don't want to be that that company that releases a game that on first impressions gets crappy reviews and leads to a 61 meta score. That's what that's not what you want. And so, yeah, absolutely fair enough if they want to do this. And also mm-hmm. looking at the side of the developers as well, you know, one of the biggest concerns in the gaming industry is crunch, right? One of the things that Cyberpunk got absolutely crucified for, even when they extended their periods of time of of release date, was because then their devs were going to have to crunch, 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 overworking them beyond belief, you know? Um, And we've seen all these examples of devs coming out and saying what a nightmare it was to work for, you know, so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. So, you know, if, if, if they can do this under safe working conditions where they can actually get a quality game out, out of the door, when it's finished and the people that are making it don't have to go and kill themselves, then thumbs up, no issues. Mm. I think especially in the last couple of years where we've had remakes and remasters and it's no longer been, I just port it out and job done sort of thing. Now it's actually, we've got to bring your A game because a lot, there's a community out there of people that have loved that franchise for a very long time. And good is not good enough anymore. You have to be transcendent. You have to be part of that game of the year conversation. So they really want to bring in that extra level of polish. And also on that as well. So there are so many um, competitors for your for your game time these days, right? So I'll give a great example. So Borderlands 3, okay? Borderlands mm. 1 and 2 were very well received. People fucking loved Borderlands 2 especially. Um, the hype for Borderlands 3 was incredible. Uh, I... I didn't buy it because i heard the story was annoying as anything um the hype i remember the hype being incredible for years about borderlands 3 it came out and within a month no one heard from it again people said it's Mm. absolutely fine it's a perfectly fine game but these games aren't lasting if they're not incredible if they're not like top tier they don't last and because there's so many um there's so many competitors vying for your time the amount of indie games that come out on a weekly basis the people that are genuinely good, that deserve time. You know, it's very hard to create a lasting impression in the video game industry these days. And so, and giving yourselves the best chance to do that, yeah, you have to do it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of the the remaster uh, stuff that's going on in the EFA right now, we've got a trailer for the Mass Effect collection, um, giving us a quick summary of the three games that are currently in development for next gen. Uh, I think it's going to come on current gen as well. I've got to be honest, hands up, I only really played Mass Effect 1. It kind of passed me by. I appreciate Mass Effect 2 is considered by a lot of people one of the greatest games of all times. Mikey, I know you are a Mass Effect man. What's your What's your take on the trailer? 
Yeah, man, it looks great. I mean, look, the, the, the trailer for Mass Effect 2 is one of the greatest trailers of all time, as far as I'm concerned. And it really does encapsulate the choices that you can make uh, whilst playing the game. And that's a perfect example. I still think the last kind of mission where you basically are doing the final run um, with all of your team and you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen to your team members. I still remember when you're go- when I was going online, I bought the game on release date, obviously. And when I did that final run, and again, you have no idea who's going to live or die. You just don't know based on all the decisions you've made throughout the game. People were going online and posting what's happened. And it's genuinely heart-wrenching because you're like, damn it, I lost him. You know, and it's like, I don't know why. I don't know how, but he's gone. And it's like <clears throat> the characters, you felt so much towards them because they were so incredibly written that it really was, it created a sense of loss. And the fact that Mass Effect is that game where you can obviously transfer your save from 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 you know, throughout the game so it's kind of like you're importing your history so that you knew if mm. someone died in number two they ain't seeing number three bro you know does it actually have an because i i remember when the first mass effect came out and i remember seeing those graphics for the first time i think on the xbox 360 was the version i had and i was like this I just want to crap my pants at how great these graphics are but i kept hearing this this thing of the decisions you make are going to impact. It's not just this one game, but a roadmap of games. And it's like, there could be one character, like you say, dead now. They was potentially get, they potentially are in that third version of the story, um, but they're completely gone for you forever. Did that actually happen? Is that like actually has a meaningful um, impact your, your actions? So I played some of Mass Effect 1 and I found it tedious if I'm honest with you so I when I played Mass Effect 2 I just created a new guy and it gave me some options as to how what my backstory would be depending on choices I made in number one right but you could just select you know do what you wanted um I played Mass Effect 3 and I did not enjoy it at all um and a lot of the reviews I read and also my impressions were that it wasn't a worthy follow-up because how do you follow up number two? Number two had an incredible, incredible storyline and felt like it was the climactic end. And now number three happens and you're like, well, and the issue is that number two, there were so many convoluted and and, and difficult to pin down decisions that all branched out, all kind of interacted with each other and made certain outcomes happen. How do you then put that into another game, depending on what that person did of all the different bloody choices they could make? It's basically an impossible task. And from what I understand, again, I played Mass Effect 3 and it didn't grab me. And I don't remember a damn thing about it, if I'm perfectly honest with you. Um, I do remember that I did not enjoy it as much as Mass Effect 2 because the stakes never felt as high. I never felt as related to the characters as I did in number two. And from what I remember, the choices that you make in number two didn't really have too much of an impact on number three. Again, purely my speculation. I just don't think they could program it. I think they booked themselves into a corner, if you take an old wrestling analogy, where they literally couldn't get out of what they'd done because they'd made such a good ending with number two based on all of these decisions that then... Porting them to number three just was just like a, a spider web of just of just nonsense, basically. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, I look the the one thing they have removed from the um, from the, uh, the 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 trilogy is uh, the multiplayer from number three. Now, I did play the multiplayer from number three, and it was dope. Yeah, but that was from a, an era, a time where 
every video game. You had The Last of Us, the original Last of Us, having a multiplayer. Assassin's Creed had a multiplayer. It seemed to be the thing. Of, I can imagine like a J. Jonah Jameson kind of guy at a, at a uh, every game studio is going, has it got multiplayer? Everybody got multiplayer. You ain't got a game. Go off there. Multiplayer. Every game. Multiplayer. Like, I assumed that was going on when they were when they were like spitballing the ideas for this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume so as well. But the multiplayer was genuinely was genuinely pretty good. Um, the um, they've also removed the gratuitous uh, ass shots of uh, Miranda from Number Two. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't this uh, again. I, I didn't really play it that much. Like I say, I only played the first one, but. Am I right in thinking that you could go have multiple relationships and your actions can determine? And basically, let's face it, I love games like that because I'm horny as f- so I'll go around, I, I, I bang everyone. Like, if the option is to bang like literally any character, I'll be like, well, if the option is to, to seduce them, I go, well, I'm seduce them. Just just see a hilarious cutscene of them afterwards, just going, thanks for the good sex, and then moving on. <laughs> was it basically like that? It's pretty much. There was problems, though, where I think it was in 2, where you had the, the trainee lady and Miranda and like if you spoke to one too often you'd like really piss off the other one so it was like a constant battle act it's like well you can't have both you have to have one or the other and everyone went from miranda let's face it of course it's not well yvonne strakovsky right however you pronounce her name um the the it's not like in the witcher 3 where basically you can choose um out of the two and you can just do what you want they don't have they don't know but then at the very end um, you know, they kind of go, wait a second, you've been sleeping with both of us, and then you end up alone. And it's like, all right, cool. Um, no, we in, in Mass Effect 2, you, 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 you have to kind of choose. You can't, yeah. You can't go around uh, being a horny space fighter man. So, yeah. That's the dream, right? Just go around and bang everything that moves. Uh, but anyway, this is going to be released on next gen and current gen. Let's talk about next gen for a moment. Uh, PlayStation figures are starting to be released. And over the first three months, uh, PlayStation five has shipped 4.5 million units, which is almost identical to the first three months of the PS4. And you think, ah, oh, it's, is that been a good launch then? Then Jesus Christ, have you been under a rock? We've been in a pandemic. Like no one's been able to physically go to a store and buy this. And let me remind you, there are three people on this call not to mention hundreds of thousands of people in this country crying every time they open up twitter because they've missed the opportunity to buy because those drops those goddamn bots are still ticking. so the demand is still there even though they've got they've met the supply from last time around so i think that's a over i mean i'm sure it's the same for xbox series s and x you know we're not we're not swayed towards any particular one console but i mean this shows how successful that has been as a launch it's not the same for xbox mate Oh really? Well, I mean, they've sold out of it, so I assume that they've they've done well. Yeah, because people can't get PlayStations. Okay, all right, fair enough. And to be fair, okay, one point is that um, they keep saying their launch has been the most successful launch ever. But am I right in thinking that the Xbox One had a particularly poor launch? And again, if you're looking at the install base from previous, it's kind of hard to compare, I suppose, from that point. But uh, anyway, that aside, 4.5 million units for PlayStation in the first three months. Jesus Christ. I think it's an overwhelming success, right? I think I'm close to getting one. Right. Really? So in Spain, right? Obviously, there's an app that I downloaded from you, Flint, uh, called PS5 Stock Plus. Stocks yeah. Plus, yeah. Basically, one nine to nine, it'll tell me when 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 things are coming in stock. Now, I just bit of news, bit of personal news, if you don't mind me saying. So, I got my temporary residency in Spain the other day. It finally came through after uh, congratulations. After I think one hundred, almost like literally a hundred days on the dot 
Um, did you set up a bot to keep applying for you? And, uh... <laughs> Honestly, dude, the paperwork, my God, my God, the paperwork. But the, um, so I got my residency, so I've got my NIE number, which means that I can, and when you sign up for a, uh, a store, like an online store, like Media Market or something like that in Spain, you have to register with an NIE number. So you have to be a person here. Like, and if I were to get things shipped from Amazon US to Spain, I have to give Amazon my NIE number, for example, because I have to, I have to be a person that lives here. Can't just be some random dude just pretending to be in Spain, right? So they kind of need that proof. I now have that and I'll be damned if I'm close to getting one because Spain appears to get stock in all the time. Like literally I'm saying three or four times a day, I'm getting alerts saying, hey, we've got digital and standard ones in, in this place. And I've signed up to a few different sites and I've gotten very, very close a couple of times to getting through the process. Don't, uh, I don't think it's uh, going to take long. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm hoping that we are just that. The, if you can imagine that scene in Lord of the Rings, the, the two towers where Gandalf rocks up and everything's going to be okay. I feel like we're near that moment for PS5s. I have not succumbed to the bots and I'm starting to see the prices of bots um, in terms of their product they're trying to push on StockX and eBay. The prices are starting to go down, which suggests uh, the market's getting more flooded with products, which means hopefully you know regular joes like us actually have half a chance of getting it at normal price um so uh, i'm using an app as well and it's quite a frustrating app uh, for uk people because basically the way this app works is it's not one of those ones that you spend like 50 dollars a month and it's like really amazingly giving you levels of detail via their bots hacking a site mm-hmm. it's basically they've got a script set up that whenever a change happens to a web page uh, it will give you a notification now that change could be okay, it's now on sale, or that change could be, okay, that buy now button's now available. But it also could be the site's crashing because there's a million and one people trying to access this page or they're doing a quick code release or something. And that means you'll get like a million updates and you think, oh, okay, yeah, I know Smith's is down like because everyone's trying to get it because there's apps like this out there. But we are not far away. And I hope, I hope beyond hope that, uh, you know, just to be honest, like, like we said it before, we don't have to go into the details again, but I hate this this hustle that is this apparent hustle they're trying to push of these bots and people trying to rip people off. And that's all it is, it's just ripping people off. So hopefully that 4.5 million people will be joined by people like us very, very soon. Uh, moving on, uh, Konami uh, over the last week as well have had a reshuffle. Now, obviously, we're coming towards the end of the financial year, which means most organizations will be doing their hires, fires, and promotions and everything in between. This happens all the time at any company, regardless whether it's a video game company or not. But Konami have been very public recently in announcing a bit of a reshuffle. Uh, they have consolidated a lot of their games divisions whilst also promoting and moving on people within the organization. Now, this is quite a bit of speculation because it's been a minute since Konami have had a big release, other than, and it has been announced in their um, their financial earnings, that uh, Pez has been doing gangbusters for them. So do we think this consolidation is a good or a bad thing? I don't know, if I'm honest mm. with you. I, I have, it was that we are, we are literally at a point where Konami, the only game they release is Pez. They've basically yeah. shut up shop to do anything else other than, than Provo, and that's because Provo has the My Team gimmick where you can the only way to get good players is to spend money. That's basically it. And it's for any kind of person that wants an alternative to FIFA. And let's be clear about it. There's a lot of people that want an alternative to FIFA. Um, so there's always going to be a market there. There's always going to be a market there for people to spend money with them. Um, it's not the Konami of old. And I don't think it's ever really going to be, if I'm honest with you. I, I do worry. I think the only, we talked about this, I think on the show the other week that, 
for me, they need to do something bigger and better. Did you play Metal Gear? Was it Rising, the one which was kind of like a zombie apocalypse thing? Yeah, well, I was going to say, that's their last big title release on yeah. a console outside of PES in the last three years. And that's a spin-off, right? It's a spin-off yeah. from, from Metal Gear. And everyone was just like, literally in the wake of konami leaving um or sorry parting ways with hideo that they were like oh new metal gear game and it turned out to be this elaborate dlc that it might as well have been that for um phantom pain and i didn't play it because metal gear without snake is not metal gear (laughs) this is it and the thing for me is like they i mean they're retiring the fox engine as well so the next so pro evolution soccer took um 2021 off right it was all they did was release a roster update and that was it um there was no gameplay changes there was nothing else to it and it was uh released at a cut down price so i think it was literally like 14.99 um which which a lot of people like that's great value because the games don't change much anyway and realistically people kind of want to go to a roster update model anyway so they pay 60 quid every year so i Personally, I thought it was quite a cool move, um, but they did that because they're retiring the Fox engine that was amazing for Metal Gear Solid Five, incredible for Pro Evolution Soccer as well. Um, and I believe I want to say they're going to the new Unreal Engine, but I may be wrong about that. So please don't take that as gospel. But so no more Fox engine. This Fox engine that was incredible on Metal Gear Solid Five, no more. They made they they spent all that time making it and made literally one of the best kind of uh, in terms of gameplay games you've ever seen and it's done i'm baffled they need the only thing that they can do now for me to salvage some kind of reputation is to go yo david hater get back on the train son we're remaking uh, metal gear solid one two and three in the fox engine as the last hurrah yeah. they don't need to pay for that they can just literally I, remake it scene for yeah scene. i i think i agree with you i think they probably need to well, I don't know what, what they need to do, but what I think they pro- what I'd like to see them do is go to a licensing model where they'll basically say, look, we've got a, a lovely house of great IPs, Castlevanias, your, mm-hmm. your Metal Gears of this world, Silent Hill and everything else in between of that. So let's go to your your Blue Points, the guys who just done the Demon Souls games and say, here go, guys, we trust you, do Metal Gear. Go to Insomniac and say, make a Castlevania game. Like, Find the best studios out there who are great at taking IP and make it great Mate, again. Go to Castlevania and go up to From Software and say, here you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right, <laughs> exactly. Or Capcom and say, how are you feeling, bruv? Do you want to do like a, D- a DMC in the Castlevania uh, like world? Like, they'll... That is where I think if you, oh, it'll be a crying, crying shame if these IPs just sit on the shelf. Now, yeah. we are seeing this IP, these different IPs taking different forms. You've got the Netflix deal. Netflix do animes based in Castlevania, which is kind of cool. Uh, we've got the uh, Metal Gear movie, which has been in development for a little while now, but it's making pace. They've got their solid snake with, with Oscar Isaacs, which, by the way, great casting. Um, but yeah, I think I think the writing might be on the wall, as they say. Um, although saying that, look, these sort of reshuffles happen all the time at this level, so who knows? Uh, but what we do know is that we want to see some more good Konami. Uh, speaking of some good stuff that we remember, it is the 30th anniversary of Street Fighter Two. Um, they are now they are, they're not doing anything big. There was just a tweet about it from the Capcom accounts, but a classic Game Boys. Let's take a moment to talk about the legacy of this fighter. Um, it's literally all i played as a kid i remember going around uh, a friend of mine's house he had a snes 
with uh, the original Street Fighter 2 on it. Uh, you know, where literally there's like six, four to six characters or something, you know, none of the bosses you could have. And I was just like, this is freaking amazing. I got a Mega Drive. I got Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Here we go. And then I got, no, it um, so I got the Street Fighter 2 Tournament Edition and then Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, I think, or Hybrid. One of these things. Well, the one that had uh, Fee Long, T-Hawk, uh, Cami, and DJ in it. Um, and I just... Yeah, the new challenge. Yeah, and I, I played that to death, man. I literally played that to death. I remember when I was a kid in year five or six, uh, when we had another one of my friends, and we had uh, we had like a, a bit of a tournament on Street Fighter, and I was like, and everyone was like, uh, I'll be Ryu, I'll be Ken, I'll be Saga, I'll be M Bison. I was like, huh, I will press the instant win button and be E Honda and become unbeatable. And uh, yeah, I was unbeaten all day because it just literally was, you know, a thousand hand slap, hundred hand slap, whatever it's called do that every now and again, do the big diving head, but I win. Um, I Honestly, man, I absolutely love those games. Number I th- would have cried if I was your friend and we were children, <laughs> never enjoying a game again. <laughs> um, then you had Street Fighter 3, which um, I bought the um, the Street Fighter uh, Anniversary Edition was on sale on the Switch recently. Now I know the Joy-Cons are crap for playing those games, but I couldn't pass up playing, playing like Alpha 3 and Street Fighter 3 again. You know, I haven't played these games for years. And it's just a joy, man. It's just a joy of all the different characters. I, I've got the new one, Street Fighter uh, Five. It's fine. Something about it feels off for me. Um, hmm. We talk. I mean, talk about mileage, and we joke about Skyrim and games being re-released again. How much mileage does Street Fighter Two have? How many versions? How many? Just stick a word at the end of it. Imagine if Skyrim followed the same model. <laughs> Skyrim Ultra, Skyrim Extra, Skyrim Challenge. I don't know. They. they- about six versions maybe six or seven street fighter yeah every year on my facebook it comes up uh i can't believe what day it was i can't remember what day it was but there was a time when moles uh we got quite drunk in town once and we went back to my house uh with a few of the chaps and uh we were just drunkenly playing street fighter until like four in the morning and i have a very angry facebook message from uh from your your wife (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, the next day saying why was why was john up until 4am playing street fighter with you guys and he's he's on the sofa he's not doing so well oh, yeah. he's just on the sofa he's going ah, I, had, I, I think i spent probably about an hour trying to beat the game on hard mode and the, the ai's in street fight games when you played on like hard it it was just that it was ridiculous they'd pull off moves and combos which like a, a normal person couldn't do it's almost like the AI was cheating. The AI used to cheat. <laughs> it's almost like it's a computer. It is. You know, the- <laughs> Dude, the hardest boss on Street Fighter, for my money, was Seth from Street Fighter 4. Um, that was impossible. I, I remember when I finally beat that on Street Fighter 4, I, was, I had to go and lie down. I was sweating. That he was, he was cheat mode personified. It was absolutely ridiculous. Just one one thing about the I'll say this about the Street Fighter franchise. It's obviously one of the staples of fighting games. It's the godfather of fighting games. But and Mikey, you might turn around and say, What the hell are we talking about, Flint? But one of the things I've noticed about the Street Fighter franchise, if you compare it to its I suppose peers, if you could say that, with your Mortal Kombat's, your your Soul Calibers, your Tekkens of the world, the story doesn't really advance. Like this story's the story, right? Where if you look at your your Tekken's from Tekken one to Tekken whatever, 
fundamental has changed. The roster's near enough completely changed and things like that. Mortal Kombat has obviously had loads of iterations and has like almost a, a saga that happens from that. I'm right in thinking that Street Fighter didn't really focus that much about story whatsoever. It was just about, you know, it's about the arcade, about the gameplay and all that fun stuff, right? Well, you've got the... So the old school thing was every character obviously had their own arcade mode thing, right? Where you'd start the game, small cutscene, you'd beat everyone, get another little cutscene which kind of shows, mm-hmm. oh, this is what happened, I, aka Ryu beating Akuma or what have you, you know, all those kinds of mm-hmm. little things. And they were fine. You know, they were fine. I never really played the arcade mode so I can beat up the barrels or the car. That was kind of the funnest part of it. Um when Street Fighter V was released, it got panned. Again, one of those things we mentioned earlier about when a game gets released and it's not really finished. Street Fighter V, perfect, perfect example. It didn't really have a story mode. They didn't really have anything. It was just like, oh, play online, and that's basically it. Um, they patched in story modes for every character, but the if you go back and play Street Fighter Three, you won't. I guarantee that you won't recognize ninety five percent of the roster. Um, oh, okay, they have introduced a lot of characters over the years, but a lot of them are quite forgettable, if you ask me. Um, Street Fighter V does a decent job, a decent job of fleshing out stories and being able to have that experience. Um, but I do agree with you. I, I think they are far... I mean, look, the leaders in this space for me are, are, are NeverRealm never Studios, the, the, the Mortal Kombats, the Injustice of the World, where you do have that branching storyline and you can then... Gives you a flavor of every character and a really good you come way. for the yeah with Street Fighter you come for the gameplay for the Never Realm games you, you stick around for the story right it's there's there's it's a different it's, it's although they're in the fighting category they are different games yeah I would say so I mean I can yeah. I can play I could put it this way I can go online on Mortal Kombat and be fairly competent and have a fifty percent ish winning record if I go online of Street Fighter I get obliterated unless I'm a Honda. Right, right. <laughs> no, like, no, honestly, I get I get smashed just because um, there is such nuance to the and the, the, all the different little, the, the mechanisms in place in Street Fighter, all your different super cancels into this, doing that, doing this. It's um, I find it overwhelming. Um, and and people say you, know, you if you go on Reddit or you go on like kind of the the forums or people and you get a lot of people saying, look, I really want to get good at a fighting game, and it's like, how do I start? It's like learning a language. Um, if there's a, there's a, I can't remember for the life of me who they do a really good introductory video where you can go on YouTube and almost irregardless of the game that you choose, there are strategies for fighting games as to how to approach battles, um, mm. completely irrespective of what moves they have, what you're doing and stuff like that. There is almost like a fundamental strategy to it and learning that and recognizing opponent behaviors and things like that are really fundamental. Like while I do love watching high level um, Street Fighter 2 matches like uh, I think it was Digeo oh, I never pronounced his name right I think he's Brazilian he might be I can't remember um, like some of these really top level Street Fighter matchups are incredible to watch absolutely incredible to watch because it is just a game it's like chess but incredibly mm. fast paced with unbelievable amounts of skill um, but I, it's one of the I would suggest the fighting game genre of video games is the one with the highest ceiling um, in terms yeah. of the your average Joe compared to a, uh, compared to like a you know a professional. Um, mm. 
well it's that you know easy to, to pick up but very difficult to to master from that point and um i suppose that the key thing is that you know this thing's been going for 30 years and it's got a legacy and you have these tournaments around the world and they're they're still going to this day and i suppose this just to wrap it off 30 years of incredibleness and long may it continue and can't wait to see where the franchise goes over the next 30 years who's your, who's your, favorite, who's your favorite character flint uh, probably Bianca is he the the, the dude who like uh, make he's the big beast guy isn't he Blanca who is uh, yeah. Banker yeah I, I was like I was like Bianca from EastEnders um uh, was it Blanca Blanca yeah the electrical guy yeah he's yeah, yeah yeah he was probably my favorite and in the movie he was played by um by the guy who plays the Punisher wasn't he <laughs> that movie was incredible by the way you know, say what you want about every other video game adaptation they got Gomez Adams being the bad guy that was a winner in my for me book. it was Tuesday <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is the greatest line in, in, it is, in is incredible. History. Who's your favorite and, character, Moles? Uh I tend to stray towards the the Ryu's and the Kens, the martial arts guys. Yeah, yeah I can't really, really pick between the two because they they are like ones with like fights with his feet and one fights with his hands. So it depends which one. Is it was it? Is it the is it the Shoken, the Shodan? Uh, there's a particular style that's yeah. called that level, that style yeah. of. of I mean, fighting, if you, if you want to um, cheat, you just go Akuma and do the, the super powerful move that is banned in all international tournaments. <laughs> yeah, like that. That move is very good. Um, I always liked. Um, well, I say this. I always liked Vega because you could climb the cage. Was he but, the dude with the Wolverine claw and yeah, the mask? But yeah. I sucked at, at as him. I really did suck as him. And I like you. Give me. I liked Saga as well. Saga was always a favorite of mine because because nice. you could spam Tiger, Tiger uppercuts, you know, and just just endlessly. It was great. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, tell us what your favorite characters are from that franchise. Get in contact with us on Twitter at GreyFoxPlays. Now to wrap off this pod, we're going to go back to our favorite time, Moles. I'm going to ask you that question, my boy. What time is it? Time for the wheel. That's right. We have a wheel of topics that hopefully uh, we'll have people contributing towards as well. We've got a bank of questions that we have no time to prepare for, and I will spin a wheel. We get a question. We talk about it. Sometimes we get gold. Sometimes we get better than gold. Let's go. Ah, that clucky noise. It's beautiful. Okay, gentlemen. Games that never become a franchise. So select your one-hit wonders. Oh, this is a hard one because anything good inevitably gets a sequel. So I suppose the best games to never get a sequel. Um, this is incredibly difficult. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to throw one out there right now, which I know, Mike, you're going to smack yourself when I say this one. Bloodborne. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is the this is obviously <laughs> the one, isn't it? But is it... <laughs> But is it? Is it? Well, it's, uh, it's it's a great game, right? It deserves a sequel for that. For it, the, does, oh God. It, it does. It does. Here's one. I, I hope it didn't get a sequel. There's this little game on the, the GameCube. I think that's when I first played it. It was one of those multi-platform releases. The Simpsons Hit and Run. Did you ever play this? Yes, yeah. that game was so incredible. It was, it was basically GTA in Springfield. And anyone who is of a certain age, uh, the same sort of people that when they got that first South Park game and you could just go around South Park, 
I didn't care about the story. I wanted to go around South Park. And that's the same thing I got with Hit and Run. I could go drive to Wigan's house. I could go look at Seymour's house and the mum would be upstairs. And it was just so, so good. It was like Crazy Taxi meets Grand Theft Auto and you could go explore Springfield. Now, this game was amazing at this time. It didn't get the, the praise it deserved at the time because everyone's treated it as, oh, it's just a licensed kiddies game. But it was so, so good. And uh, it definitely deserves like a revisit on that one. Yeah, I could agree with that. I mean, one of the games I was going to say was Pokemon Snap. I love that game for yeah. 64, but they are literally releasing a sequel to that in a few months' time. So that won't, that doesn't count. Um, Future Cop LAPD uh, was, I know, I know, Moles, you share a love for that game with me. <laughs> Amazing um, game. Absolutely. It never, I, I, it never really got the kudos I think it deserves at the time, but I remember having the demo of it and I played that demo to death, to absolute death. Um, an incredible game that I feel like if we had like a cool, kind of 25 years later uh, sequel, I would be all over that, like a dip on a chip, as it were. <laughs> all over like a cheap suit. Uh, another game that I... It's had multiple re-releases, but as far as I'm aware, there's not been a sequel because those folks at Rockstar are very busy folks being rock stars. Do you remember a little game? Bully. You know where I was going with that, son. Like, uh, I don't know if you could make a, a sequel to Bully in you know modern times, considering some of the subject matter in there. But the truth is, it was just a, it was a cool, again, GTA style in a school. And you got to call, do some pretty cool stuff. Now, that game for me was was pretty revolutionary. I really enjoyed it. Um, I remember, the only way I can think, I haven't played in a long time, mind, but I just think it's GTA of a skateboard. And that was pretty cool. Ooh, what, what else do you it. need? What, what else do you yeah, need? Yeah, exactly. Um, I would say to be now to be honest, if you like, your selection was the best. It's Bloodborne. I am literally gagging for a sequel to that game. So that would be my that would be my choice. Yeah, no. Nah, well, yeah. Everyone's looking for. Everyone's waiting here. I mean, the fact that every time any form of announcement is coming out from a softs game or a softs light game or anything involved with Japan Studio. Everyone is just going, Bloodborne 2, Bloodborne 2, Bloodborne 2. Come on, baby, give us that Bloodborne. But uh, if I had to think a little bit more about sort of memory lane and things that done amazingly well, that I'd love to see a sequel that we never got or we don't know of. Anyway. I mean, maybe there is stuff in the works. We're just not aware of it. It's not in the public zeitgeist easily anyway. Um, there was a game made by Squaresoft that I spent my entire life playing called Vagrant Story. Uh, Miles, have you ever played? You're you're a, you're an RPG man. I've um, heard of it. I've never actually played it. So the artwork was very very. I mean, they reused the artwork a lot for Final Fantasy XII. I think. Um, I say that wearing a Final Fantasy VII shirt. Um, and it was so so good. It was something like at the time, I think it was like one of the first JPGs to like proper go 3D engine and it was just a mi- one of those mi- games that was a million miles ahead for some reason it didn't resonate with with the crowd and whatever um, but yeah I would love to have seen that. Um, I know that they've kind of said they've got a sequel in the works but it keeps being shipped out and delayed but I've got to say it, Dying Light I'm crying out for that sequel. At the moment, we've only got that one game. And seriously, if you ever get, if you, if you, if it's passed you by, look at it. It's so good. If you like first person shooter zombie games, you cannot do much better than Dying Light. It mixes all the great elements of free running. The melee system is on point. It's so good. 
And when they kept, they said about six years ago, we're making Dying Light 2. I was like, yes, please. And again, similar to Dead Island 2, it's just not happened. Even though we've got trailers and everything else. So that's kind of a cheat. But yeah, I, you know, you're probably right. Bloodborne's still the one. Yeah, I think Bloodborne. I think Bloodborne. Uh, I did like Dying Light, by the way. I, I remember playing that, yeah, a good while ago. It was on, I got it on sale and that was, yeah, really, really good. Really enjoyed it. I think I must have sank like 120 hours in that game the year it came out. I know it's completely off tangent, but Mike, we, we both got our, uh, our PlayStation wrapped year. And I, it's so funny looking at that list and things. I think if I had to like, without looking at that list, I was like, well, I can tell you, I didn't have that many games that I done that many hours on but i played a lot of games because i got playstation that i got playstation now over lockdown and i was like oh i'm gonna try as much as i can off this and i tend to get about 10 20 hours in and go oh, stop this move on and that's literally what it was it was like you've played thousands of hours of video games but you've only like your top game was like 28 hours or something where you my man <laughs> <laughs> tell us where you were and and why that the hours were so high on yours um yes yeah, so i'm just gonna get up because I, I did share an image of that on on our um, on our on our WhatsApp group. So I I spent. You have to remember, boys and girls, that last year there was a lockdown, and yep. uh, I was living wasn't living with my wonderful girlfriend. I was living at the time with uh, a wonderful former housemate of mine, a man that I do the uh, my other podcast with, uh, Mr. Lee Collard. And when you can't go outside, I mean, you can't really do much you end up playing a lot of video games. So we spent 198 hours playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare, uh, 160 hours playing Pro Evolution Soccer 2020. So quite the waste of time. But uh, if you'd seen us with our kind of our epic scores on shipment 24-7, you wouldn't, you wouldn't agree with that. So yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, anyway, back to the subject at hand from the will. If there are games that you think are ripe for a sequel that have not got it yet, and or we've missed something or we're incorrect, get in contact with us on Twitter at Grey Fox Plays. But before we wrap it off, spin it again. Oh, you want to spin it again? All right, yeah. Well, what? Yeah, we, 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 yeah, we can do it. We, we'll break the hour. It's worth it. All right. So let, let's go again. So let's spin. Let's see what we've got. Here we are. All right, gentlemen. So for this one, favorite video game soundtrack. So this doesn't have to be a licensed piece of music. It could be just a general backing music from a particular game. Don't have to, you know, let's not pigeonhole it. It's kind of, let's just let it go where it goes from that. Um, now I'm going to take off the menu because we talked about it for our game of the year conversation, Streets of Rage, because we spent a lot of time talking about the music then. Um, but while we're, while we're getting the cogs turning, I'm, if you don't mind, I'd like to humbly suggest, and this is a real get out of jail free card to start this conversation. Do you remember there was a time in the mid 2000s when there was a little franchise of games that were coming out all based on being in a rock band, whether that's Guitar Hero or Rock Band itself and all that sort of stuff. I'm going to humbly suggest that the soundtrack to the first rock band game is the best musical collection of sounds you can have for a video game. Uh, it, it had it all man isn't that just cheating though that's cheating like, is it cheating I can't allow this it's not original is it it's like they've taken a collection of some of the greatest rock tracks in history collated them and turned it into a video game that's cheating you've got to pick again ah oh, alright okay fair enough fair enough so 
favorite scores in a video game. I'm probably then going to have to go with the original Metal Gear um, because that iconic did 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 it like that that for me that was like the first and i know like we're old men shouting at clouds so we enjoy things we remember and i always think about the emotional connections you have with stuff and when i played metal gear for that first time yes okay tomb raider was the first game to make me really think about worlds can be 3d and final fantasy were the first ones to tell me wow you can go to different worlds in fantasy but metal gear was like that they managed to nail that movie cinematic experience whilst at the same time adding that tension, that espionage, everything that made Konami great at that time. Like that is what for me was video games is all about. And that music enabled that to happen. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the, um, the Metal Gear Solid, it's not just the music, it's the atmosphere, all of the yeah. sound effects. The codec blinking to I mean, just everything, absolutely everything about it was was spot on. It that really drew you into that world. I think I, I agree with you. Then it's not my favorite though. I have to say that Ooh. it's not my favorite. So I mentioned it the other week. Uh, Binding of Isaac is up there for me because I think the music in that game is absolutely banging. I routinely use the music to work to. So it's all because the soundtrack is all on Spotify. I would just stick that on shuffle and I will work to it because I, it's, I, it's kind of therapeutic to me. I've listened to it for hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of hours. And it's just in my brain as something that I, li- that I listen to whilst I'm doing something. You know what I mean? Um, mm. Yeah. That, that, that's up there. The best soundtrack of all time though is Banjo Kazooie. Uh, the, 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 uh, seriously, I'm not even joking here. Uh, the composer is a man called Grant Kirkhope. He worked on Donkey Kong 64, GoldenEye, uh, perfect dark he's bafta award um nominated he wow. is literally a freaking genius banjo kazooie is without a doubt and there is i will not accept any any deliberation on this it is the best <laughs> soundtrack of any video game of all time simply because it's genius in everything it does we're talking about a game that was released what 1997 98 around that time this was a game that when you went underwater the entire soundtrack, uh, but that, let me start that bit again. The main area of the game, if you haven't played Banjo-Kazooie before, is one big giant what world, which then splits off into different hubs, which are the different levels, right? In this giant world, you go through a giant lair, and there's all these different parts to it. The entire soundtrack or main theme is the same song. It's uh, basically, um, what if you go down to the woods today, it's that, it's that kind of that jingle right. There's that yeah. jingle that, you know, dun, 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 like it's that, right? However, it changes depending on where you are. So if you go underwater, they all of a sudden replace the sound effects with like a nice xylophone to, to, to signify you're underwater. When you go to a sand level, they replace it with like the guy with uses a different instrument, basically. All of the different levels have incredibly catchy sound effects. All of the sound effects from the jumping, from the hitting, from the noises, everything is just perfect the fact that at the end of the game there is a um to get through to finally face gruntilda you have to play her game show right and it's Mm. it's 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 an ordeal if you haven't been paying attention basically but some of the questions on there are sound effect questions where they'll literally go what sound effect is this and then you have to fucking guess out of like three it gives you the game is so good (laughs) the game is so memorable in its use of music and kind of triggers and responses to certain sound effects i never get them wrong 
Nice, nice. It, it just like it, it, it has bored itself into my brain. <laughs> it's in your soul. It's in my soul. It's a part of me. Like, is that because you've played that game to death and you just know? Um, There'll be an element of that, but it'll be an element. It's of that, still great, though. I just remember as a kid when I, as soon as I played it, that the the the, the jingles and the and the tunes they just infected my brain. I follow Grant on Twitter, right? And he still like retweets people that have like remade his, these songs using instruments they found in their home and all because it has it affected a lot of people. That just genuinely, he's like a world class composer. He's a genius with the sounds he create. Bear in mind for Nintendo sixty four, a game yeah, the limitations that they would have at that time. time limitations with sound it didn't take cds it was a cartridge and yet he managed to create something magical on it you compare that soundtrack to mario 64 no question a complete slam dunk well there we go that was a mic drop moment from there from mr carden edwards um i do agree with you man it's uh, some transcendent stuff in there and we're talking about favorites not necessarily best but that is definitely up there with one of the best look if i'm going to put on my my i'm trying to be a video game critique person trying to really showcase my abilities of telling you and articulate how something amazing is i'll talk about breath of the wild how it uses silence and the sound of just a piano to instigate and all that stuff but quite frankly i don't want to talk about that sort of stuff i want to talk about the stuff that makes me joyous the stuff that makes me think yes this is why i love video games and why i've loved them most of my life i'm going to talk about one soundtrack in particular and that is the crash bandicoot soundtrack come on boys Tell me, listen to Wild Hog and not Chuffing Smile. Now, you'll have, there's place for art with your Breath of the Wilds, but there are things that will always be ingrained in your soul and stuff like the, the Crash Bandicoot themes. It's got to be in there, right? I, I, I 100% agree with you. Now, I have two more to put into the mix. I'll only talk about them very, very briefly, I promise. The first okay, one, man. we've all experienced it. The first Red Dead Redemption when you go into Mexico. Ah, yeah, that's pretty dope. Is that, it the moment there, or is it the music, or is it a combination? It's the, it's, the, it's the combination of the two, and that's when soundtracks do their best work, right? When they're actually kind of enhancing what you're seeing on the screen. Uh, there was no music in the game at all until you cross the river. You had that horrible shootout with people as you're trying to cross the river. You finally get to the other side. You're on your horse going into Mexico, and then you hear a few dulcet notes on the guitar, and then you've got that that's that particular song. I'm not going to sing it for you because I sound awful when I sing, um, and it's just like. It, the, the mood it puts you in is just holy moly this is this is epic this is absolutely epic it was a point of genius from 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 rockstar there um and the other one i have to say we spoke about street fighter 2 earlier right cracking soundtrack you know we've obviously mm-hmm. seen the uh, guile's theme fits everything right and all that kind of stuff um similar or the same kind of era uh, sonic the hedgehog um, yes oh my god I, I can literally just listen to that like just uh, i can't remember what level it is but the one that has the um um i don't know how that came across over this microphone but that's green hills right yes that's it oh my god man check out noise your name the best and again a great great kind of a great sign of a good soundtrack is how well it stays with you after you first listen to it right now for my money the best sonic game is sonic 3 okay by quite some distance as well. Now, the best version of that game is Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which you can't actually get legally anymore because to play Sonic 3 and Knuckles, you needed Sonic and Knuckles, which had the little extendo thing on top of the cartridge, which you then put Sonic 3 on top of. Now, you can't get that anymore. It doesn't really exist. Uh, They've never released a ROM for it, or not a ROM. They've never released like a a A remaster. Official emulator of it, whatever. One of the big 
issues for that is because of the soundtrack licensing, because it's heavily, 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 heavily rumored that Michael Jackson made the soundtrack to it. And if you, there's, there's a couple of videos on YouTube. You can go down the rabbit hole another day. Uh, if you type in Michael Jackson, Sonic 3, you won't regret it because basically you can hear so much Michael Jackson in those songs and also in his actual songs, like similar breakdowns. And apparently it, the only reason why he was never credited for that soundtrack is because once he fe- once he listened to the finished version, he was like, what the hell is this? And I was like, well, yeah, it's like, you know, 16, 32 bit, bit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It sounds, you know, of course it does. Cause we don't, you know, and he was, and he couldn't believe it. He was like, well, this isn't what I, this isn't what I wanted here. I, I, you know, he didn't get it basically in terms of that. It cannot, <laughs> you can't have those amazing sounds on a mega drive, you know? Um, but like, did, this, did the original version go, Miles, it's your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like that's that soundtrack from carnival night zone to ice cap zone there. It's just that entire thing. And actually for my money, the best ending boss music is when you go up to the death egg i think it is and the sense of dread that makes it's the best boss music ever type in sonic 3 boss music into youtube have yourself a little groove town i it's so good i ended up finding uh i was this is gonna be a stupid story i was listening to a uh i was in an office years and years ago and someone had put on like a big uh, drum and bass album on for some reason, right? Not drum and no, drum, no um, dubstep. It was a dubstep out album, right? And uh, halfway through, we were all just kind of sitting there. It's fine. Dubstep was popular 15 years ago. Fine, whatever. And <laughs> I guess dubstep never dies. All of a sudden, they had sampled this Death Egg bit from the boss. Then I was like, what the hell? Because it's that epic. Makes it onto that. Incredible. Moles, um, my man. He, what are you saying? Just neither of you have mentioned Super Mario. How more iconic? Well, I, I was going to, I was going to do an honourable mention for Odyssey because that score is no. the one most beautiful sounding scores recently. But you, you I'm are talking, right. The classic. I'm talking the classic, the original. Just like the first level, everyone knows that music. The second level, when it goes, everyone knows that music. To the point they're chanting it at football matches. What was that? Was it? I can't remember what football it was. It used to be, I think it was for, I was saying, Marlon Harewood at West Ham. They'll just go, Marlon, Marlon, Marlon. That is music that, again, is ingrained in video players. Rumour has it. Right, rumor has it that they're not releasing a ne- another Elder Scrolls game because they can't top the soundtrack from Skyrim. You know that was a pretty epic soundtrack. Skyrim soundtrack is legendary as well. But no, I yeah. know, I always kind of does take the cake there. I, I do. If you're talking about like general longevity and association, the sound effects and soundtracks from Mario games doesn't get any better, right? Yeah, nah, you've got a, you've you've pretty much nailed it there, and you are right. We probably deserve a little slap on the wrist for for not mentioning the classic that is. But I've got to say, like next time you you got your switch nearby, or just just, just listen to the Odyssey soundtrack because and it's on Spotify. Spotify got an amazing game section. Um, yeah, it's just it is so so good. Another honourable mention is um uh, the remastered um orchestral versions of the final fantasy 7 uh soundtrack being redone for the remake is absolutely like this is 
cinematic glory uh, put together. And um, yeah, that, those moments like that. And you're right, it's not just about the music, it's about the video game, it's about everything else that pulls it together. But it's all those moments that make it that make it sing. So with that in mind, tell us your favourite uh, sound moments or your, your favourite musical scores from video games on Twitter at GreyFoxPlays. And that is it for this Fortnite's version of the pod. Uh, you can get in contact, as mentioned, on Twitter. But before I go down that route, I'm going to go around the table and thank my boys, starting off with the soul man mr michael carden edwards i love i'm loving this new tag i'm giving you uh, I'm, I'm I'm all about, you. uh yeah you can find me on twitter magnificent duke go and say hello i will likely say hello back but yeah thank you there we go and the man in the engine room our man in the chair our oracle our the guy in punisher who follows in the van can't remember his name but anyway more importantly mr john moles how can people find you they can find me in the engine room fella chugging away just like Steamboat Willie and I have been Adam Flint you can find me on Twitter at Adam Flint and that is it for the next two weeks but we'll be back with a review possibly an interview as well as some other interesting gamey things but between now and then wear a mask stay safe I realise I made a Metal Gear quote a few weeks back where I said we're not tools of the government or anything else I want to be clear we should follow government advice right follow that advice properly and please check your local government websites over what your current guidelines are because we are so close to being out of this show that is the pandemic so stay safe